0: we've really not changed that much at all because if the only company if the only brand that sees our bodies as valuable is the one that's already creating clothes directly for us then have we really broken any barriers at all
1: Welcome to the Crossing It Off podcast, where each episode we share the stories of individuals that are living out their bucket life goal lists. I am your host, Roger Williams, and through hearing our guests' adventures, my goal is that you will find encouragement and empowerment to add and cross items off of your list. Welcome everybody. I am so excited for this show. Uh, A lot of inspiration going on here and I'm just excited to share it with you. My guest is Jess Pingwild and she describes herself as funny, um, energetic, positive, and intelligent. And after hearing her story and reading about her, I'm going to add that she's also a disruptor, which I think is uh, an awesome trait to have. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about that as we go along through this interview. Jess, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Awesome. Tell our listeners, what was the thing that you crossed off your list?
0: I walked in a runway during London Fashion Week.
1: Okay. That sounds like a great goal or something to put on your list that maybe a lot of young girls might like to do or young men or just people in general might like to be a part of the fashion world. What led you to put that on your bucket list?
0: It was actually quite a new addition to my official bucket list Mm -hmm. I think it had been on my bucket list from a pretty young age like in the back of my mind is something like oh that would be so cool but I didn't think it was even a possibility until probably 2020 ish
1: and so why wasn't it a possibility what was holding you back or what do you think was holding you back
0: growing up I just never saw anybody like myself in any form of media, whether that be advertising, on TV, in fashion, and as a disabled woman and as a disabled child, not having that role model, to me, it just was like, okay, you're not welcome here. You're, that's not a place mm-hmm. for you.
1: Just because it's the representation, right? It's not seeing yourself someplace, um, some people look like you. And so what drove you to continue to like, pursue that goal? when you were downtrodden of not being able to see yourself in it, what kept pushing you along to make that happen?
0: Honestly, I feel like fashion, entertainment, everything that I do in the creative space right now,
1: Mm.
0: it's all kind of just happened to me in a lot of ways. And um, like, I feel like I've not really been in control of my life. And I feel like a lot of people feel that way due to the pandemic, but mine... (laughs) mine really did start in the pandemic. I went to college. I went to the University of Notre Dame. I I had all of these intentions of going into either a corporate job or going on to law school. And then I met my now husband while I was studying abroad in London, uh, my junior year of college. And I feel like that ever since that happened, nothing has fallen into place in any way that I have expected. Uh, I then got stuck in the US at the beginning of the pandemic for nine months after uh, Jack and I got married. And because of this, I started a blog, it took off, I found representation to help me kind of manage some of the work that was coming in through that. And that turned into modeling representation, which was my doorway into the fashion industry. And now I have a lot of different connections, I feel like within the industry. And that's how I got to be on the runway during London Fashion Week.
1: And how has that changed from like when you were younger and whether it was looking through magazines or seeing ads on TV, how has that representation changed? Were you the first person with disability to, to be able to do that? Or was this a specific sh- uh, show or how, how did you get picked to be a part of that?
0: The show that I was a part of had an adaptive brand included. And basically, I was modeling for this adaptive brand. So they were reaching out and seeking disabled models, essentially. So that is how I got contacted. And I would say that the representation for disabled people in the media in general has drastically improved since I was a child. Uh, There's definitely more authentic representation happening both in the U.S. and in the U.K. But... Is it anywhere near where it should be? Absolutely not. And there's still a lot of room for improvement on that front. Um, There have been other models on runways during fashion weeks around the world, um, disabled models uh, specifically. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I guess that's an important factor. Yes, there's been other disabled models on the runways around the world for fashion week, but I would say there's, still lacking in particular, if you take into consideration how many disabled people are actually in the world being at over a billion individuals that is just not being represented on the runway, on television, in magazines at any level, like it
1: should be. So you used the term there that I wanna go back and and kind of look at, You, you said authentic representation. What does that mean to you, authentic representation?
0: To me, authentic representation is all about having somebody, whether it be in a a film or on a magazine cover or whatever it is, who is actually disabled, actually a part of the LGBTQ plus community, whatever it may be, actually a part of a marginalized community being or portraying that person and not using filler images. I know I, I go back to this reference all the time when I think about representation that was not authentic representation, um, the show Glee. It was really big when I was growing up. And it was one of the first times that I remember seeing a wheelchair user in a pretty large sure. like role on TV. And I remember being really excited about this. And then when I found out that this person was not actually disabled. Like Mm. I was crushed. I was like, it almost did the opposite of what it was supposed to be doing. The representation, when you see it, it's supposed to make you feel included. Instead, I just felt more ostracized. I was like, they can't even go out of their way. Not even out of their way. It's not out of their way. They couldn't even take that step to make sure it was authentic. They couldn't even take that step to find a wheelchair user to be that character. And that just really hurt.
1: Yeah, I can imagine that's the case. What were some of the fears that you had going into that experience of walking the runway? Were there, were there things that you were concerned about? What were what was going through your head at that time? You know, leading up to that day.
0: Leading up to the day, there wasn't really a whole lot that I was worried about in terms of like any sort of emotional slash like mm-hmm. big picture thing I think that all kind of came after the fact once I saw how the actual runway and like event in general happened um that said I think I mean the the practical one was I hope I don't fall (laughs) like that was a very real worry that like was going on in my brain because I was told to bring several different types of shoes they weren't sure if I was going to be in heels or flats and I don't have a lot of experience walking in heels so I was praying for flats um and they did end up putting me in flats uh but i just i didn't know what to expect it was my first runway show since i was a very very little girl when i did an american girl doll runway show (laughs) in my hometown or something i don't know
1: and so the day of you you talked about falling was there anything else like uh, not as much maybe on the physical side as the emotional side for you this is a had to have been a big deal, not having that representation as as a young person and being now being the representation, how was that play in in your emotions for the day?
0: The day of, I felt very nervous and I couldn't pinpoint why. Um, And it took me, I think, almost like a week or two to kind of process what had happened because it felt so monumental for me. And I was really taking it in on the day of for me. I wanted to be in the moment and like feel everything and not worry about the big picture. But I'd say like a week or two later is when I started to really evaluate the bigger picture of things and how I wanted to share my experience because it was amazing. It was incredible. And it was definitely like rocking the runway in a way that's not like rocking the runway in the like term of. That everybody's used to, but more so in like shaking it up, making a difference, and showing up in a way that we've not really been invited to before. And I think that hit me later on. And when it hit me, it also showed me how much better it could have been. Mm -hmm. Um, The actual runway I was a part of, like I said, it, it featured an adaptive brand. But the whole event actually featured, I believe it was close to 16, if not 16, exactly different small brands. Um, only the one was adaptive. And every other non-disabled model in attendance at this event was asked to walk in at least three other brands
1: mm-hmm. runway.
0: Whereas all of the disabled models were only invited to
1: Uh,
0: be part of the adaptive brand. So I think for me, it showed me that like, yes, we're breaking barriers. Yes, improvements are being made, but we've really not changed that much at all. Because if the only company, if the only brand that sees our bodies as valuable is the one that's already creating clothes directly for us, then have we really broken any barriers at all?
1: Yeah that's interesting. What are some of the things that you're doing now afterwards Was, did it? I mean I've seen some of your reels on Instagram and I've, I've been following you. But, and you you definitely have an opinion on on the uh, fashion week in France and Paris. Um I've seen that I've seen that said what have you taken on more advocacy for this issue or I mean, what does that look like if you have?
0: definitely talked about it several times on my blog and on social media, and I will probably continue to do so. Um, I've also been staying in contact with the brand that I walked for during the February fashion week. And for me, I know we've talked about the idea of hopefully having a space in the September one as well, and just honestly keep fighting the good fight, keep Showing up, keep being loud, keep making noise, and hoping that at some point somebody's going to listen.
1: Was there anything that Dave kind of talking about the house of, of what happened um, of crossing that off? Was there anything that you think was that's different about having disabled folks be in that space and on the runway than it would just be if it was all non-disabled folks? And and is that does that hold the industry back, or what do you think holds the industry back from? being more inclusive?
0: I think there's a lot that holds the industry back from being more inclusive. Um, So sorry if this is a long answer. I think it comes from a physical side of uh, what you were saying in terms of accessibility. There's definitely a lack of accessibility at a lot of spaces. I mean, you even think about typical runways, the way that they're always featured on TV and stuff, they're lifted up and how, how many ramps are led up to them. And you think of other major fashion events and other red carpet events and other like major things that you see that involve fashion and they have stairs and they have all of these barriers in the way. And you think, can a wheelchair actually get down here? Could somebody with a crutch or a walking stick actually maneuver this space? And it just, that for sure is a major, major barrier uh, between disabled people and the fashion industry. Another one is just sheer lack of understanding of the importance and the value in disabled consumers. Like people just genuinely write us off as not being at the same level of human. Like, I know that sounds so strange to say maybe, but disabled people have so, so frequently been placed into this other category for so long. I mean, you think even until the 1990s in the, it was 1990 that the ADA was passed in the U S and it was later than that, that the first version of like an equality act was passed in the UK. So I believe it was Mm. 97, if I'm not incorrect in saying that. So regardless, it was the nineties that like big change first happened. That's only 30 years ago. (laughs) there is so much that has happened in the last 30 years and so many people are still left behind thinking the ways that we've thought about disability for centuries and I mean even before the ADA we were still putting people in institutions regardless of their condition they were just literally taken out of society they were hidden away and so now we put people with disabilities back into the world, but we've not started to really see them as people yet. Mm. And until that societal shift happens, until more people recognize the normalcy of disability as part of life, as a very natural progression of the way life goes, then we're just really not going to see any progress in creative industries in any industry if I'm totally yeah. honest.
1: Yeah, I grew up in the 70s, which is way before the Americans with Disabilities Act was put into place. And I specifically remember like my parents saying don't look. Right. So it's not even it's not for me it was growing up of like not even seeing those people because I wasn't supposed to look, I wasn't supposed to stare, I wasn't supposed to be inquisitive, I wasn't supposed to think about people that had disabilities at all. I was supposed to ignore that. That's what I was that's how I was taught to behave. So I, I think that there's a, a lot of work that still needs to be done. What does it mean in your opinion to be seen? what is that, you know as, as a as just a person, right? That was very emotional, what you just said and very you know very striking that how can non-disabled people, What can they do to um, show that we see people that are disabled? Maybe that's the best way I can put it.
0: I think the best thing that non-disabled people can do to help disabled people feel seen is to, this might sound like the most simple thing in the world, but like truly just say hello, Mm. introduce yourself, be a kind human being, listen to us i think that's a really big one too i'm fascinated by how many people will comment on my videos or videos of my friends online who are also disabled trying to tell us that we're faking our disabilities i mean my, my disability is quite vibrantly present right. in the world i'm right. missing an arm i'm missing a leg i don't know how i'm faking that but the amount of people that are like oh she has the twin oh, she's like doing this for views. She doesn't, wow. she doesn't actually have a missing leg, everybody. Like it switches sides because I use my front facing camera sometimes. <laughs> my facing camera. It's until people start really listening to the disabled lived condition and hearing our stories, then that I think at the end of the day is what being seen is. is it, it's not necessarily being seen in terms of like, Being in the media and all of that, I think representation is the way that we make these stories accessible to the world and we can get things accomplished faster. But I don't even think it's that. It's just we need people to actually listen. And it's not about them doing anything with those listening ears other than just taking it in and accepting it as Mm truth.
1: Yeah, empathy is something that we sadly, the whole world is lacking in general um i think that that's uh, just something that it's so it's so simple but you have to decide that you're going to employ empathy and i think that's what's difficult for people it's not that they can't do it it's not that it's not human nature to be empathetic but it's just making the choice right i was in the frankfurt airport last week And saw a young boy, probably four or five years old, and was uh, wheelchair bound. And he had those solid wheels on the sides, not the spokes, but the solid wheels. And it was painted like Sonic the Hedgehog. And I, I know that when I was younger, my parents would don't don't say anything, don't talk to anybody, don't you know, don't. But I was like, I heard him speak English. I'm like, I'm gonna go over and just say, I like his, I like his wheels. You know, it's just like, it's how how difficult is that, you know? And he was kind of shy and he was young, but his parents seemed to be like so happy that someone just recognized that he existed. And it, it's just, it seems to me like that's to be so simple for people and it's usually not.
0: It's really not. It's fascinating what some people think they have the right to say to my face um, in person, I feel like, um, and the questions that I get asked and all of that, but honestly, Comments like that, I just want to like affirm that that was like a really powerful thing that you did and something that so few people just don't understand how powerful that is because that's just not been a reality ever throughout history for disabled people.
1: Yeah, and I think it's something that that um, non-disabled people have to, you know, unfortunately we have to unlearn it, right, we have to unlearn that behavior. Like I was taught of just, you know, like don't look, don't stare, don't, you know, don't be inquisitive. Um, which has actually made people invisible almost, you know, because I just wouldn't look. So we have a world and an opportunity, especially like you out there, you know, promoting uh, what you do and being an advocate for for the things you're advocating on such a huge platform of being able to reach lots of people through Instagram. It's how I found you. And um, I just think that's super cool that that's available and out there. And it's, you know, it, that's one of the things I also do is I also I also like, you know, BIPOC creators stuff, you know, and I like, you know, disabled people stuff and I, I go out of my way for creators that are, that are marginalized to, to like it. I mean, people, people don't give likes in general, right? It's, it's the cheapest form of, of currency out there to press the like button is that people just don't do it. Right, and, and it's so simple and it's so easy, and I, I think it's one of the ways that people can show other people that they're seen. I think it's I think it's valuable for sure.
0: It, I just want to affirm that too. It a hundred percent is like it might seem really strange um, to say that in these days, like a like or a comment or whatever it may be on social media is a currency, but it it is a validation that if nothing else. You heard what I had to say, mm-hmm. like, and it, to me, it doesn't even have to mean that you like the content. It doesn't even have to mean right. any of that. It's that you heard what I had to say. You were present for it. It's a a check in almost.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's I think it's important for all creators to get that. I, but I think it's even more important for marginalized communities to for people just to. It's so simple. It's so it's so easy. And so simple. People just don't do it. Jess, what's, um, what's something on your bucket list that you want to cross off that you haven't yet that is different from walking the runway? What's something that, that you'd like to do that's completely different than that? I know you travel a lot.
0: Completely different. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of things on my bucket list. I would say um, I'll take it down the travel route because that is quite different. Um, I really, really want to travel to rio in brazil i don't know why i've always like wanted to do that i feel like it's a very far away place that nobody ever like chooses everybody's like oh i want to go to thailand oh i want to go to europe and i, I want to go to rio so that's what i want
1: what's the why what's the it's the impetus behind that what's the drive
0: I just think it's a very unique culture. I think it would be such a cool place to be like, I've been there. Um, I think the Christ the Redeemer statue is like really cool. And Mm -hmm. I would love to see how like huge that is in person. And I don't know, I've also always been a big fan of animals. And I'm not saying that I would want to necessarily venture into the rainforest, or even if that would even be a possibility for someone like me as a prosthetic and wheelchair user. But I to be able to be in a space where I know like so many of these animals and such that I've admired for most of my life live and exist and to maybe even catch a glimpse of some of them in their natural habitat I think would be really amazing especially considering the vast amount of wiping out that the rainforest is experiencing
1: yeah for me it's the, the Great Barrier Reef Want to okay. st- I'd like to experience the Great Barrier Reef before it disappears, <laughs> so I get that. What are some of the considerations as a disabled person that has a w- use of a wheelchair, prosthetic leg? What are some of the things that you do to prepare yourself for travel when you when you go someplace like that?
0: Um, when I travel, there's a lot of things that go into the process. Uh, there's a lot of research involved, particularly in to our accommodation. For me, I mostly expect if I'm leaving the US, which obviously now I live in the UK, but anytime I before that I was leaving the US, I would expect that some of the things that we would do would be inaccessible to me because, especially in Europe, I mean, everything is so old. Um, Any historic place that we're going to, if there is a lift, I'm shocked. Uh, (laughs) So for me, at least if the hotel is accessible, then I know I can be comfortable at the end of the day, regardless of whether or not I was able to fully experience things the way that I wish I would have been able to.
1: Now, how do you deal with that? Not having you know, traveled so far to go, go someplace and then there is no accessibility for you. How does that, how do you work through that at the end of the day? It's like, get up and like, okay, we're going to try again tomorrow. What's, how does that, how does that work for you?
0: I I don't handle it the greatest, probably. I think uh, it's funny that you asked because one of the last trips that I've been on recently was my honeymoon with my husband. And we went to Tenerife, which is an island, part of Spain, kind of down near Africa. And the one thing that I said that I wanted to do on this trip was to go to the top of the volcano. That's like in the center of the like island because I've never been to a volcano. I've never seen one. I've seen mountains. I've never seen a volcano. So I was like, I want to do that. And I get there, and even though there's a cable car that can take you to the top, they wouldn't let me on with my prosthetic because they said that if the cable car breaks down, they're like, are you going to be able to march down the mountain? And I said, you're telling me that five year old over there is going to be able to march down the mountain? Wow. So yeah, that, that was pretty, I did not handle that very well. Uh, Both my husband and I were very angry in in that circumstance. Uh, I may or may not have picked a mini fight with the the people there trying to be like, like if it's an emergency situation, I don't know how they can't understand this. If it's an emergency situation, I will get myself where I need to be. Like it might not be easy, but I will figure it out. Yeah. and it, there was no talking any reason with them and um I don't know I'm like it's fine now like I did get to see the volcano like from ground, but it just it's obviously not the same
1: yes thank you so much for being here today can you tell us like where folks can find you on the internet if they want to see your um act your activities and your activism and uh stuff that you're going on for sure.
0: Uh, people can find me at rollingexplorer.com That's where my blog is. And then all of my social media is pretty much at The Rolling Explorer. So pretty easy to remember there. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. I uh, would love to see you guys there.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I greatly appreciate it. I wish you all the success in the world. And uh, if there's ever anything we can do for you, um, or if you cross something else off your list, let us know. We'd love to have you back.
0: Thank you so much. And truly, thanks for having me. This has been fun to relive my Fashion Week day.
1: As a reminder to our listeners, in this episode's show notes, you will find links to learn more about this week's guests and information on how you can cross this item off of your list. You can follow my adventures of crossing items off my bucket list on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, new episodes of this podcast are available to stream every Friday morning. We will meet you here next week. And until then, keep living out your list.